0: Bobby and I are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. I love the look and comfort of my new Oakley glasses. The lenses are like nothing I've ever experienced with their prism lens technology. These lenses protect my sun sensitive blue eyes, but somehow also make colors even more vibrant and details even more clear. And let me tell you, Oakleys, they are popular in my household as both my sons argue over who gets to borrow my glasses. They both play outdoor sports and they know Oakley is the best for training. Plus, I think they want to look a little bit like Lamar Jackson, who is also sponsored by Oakley. Now, my personal favorite pair is from the HSTN collection. I've literally been wearing mine every day since I got them. So let me tell you what you should do. Head on over to oakley.com right now and get yourself a pair of glasses that will change your look for the better. But don't just trust me, try them for yourself. Go to oakley.com for more information today.
1: Welcome into the vault. It is Monday, June 19th. And now that Minicamp is in the rearview mirror, we decided that as we discussed last week, We'd review it all in detail and get into all of that coming up over the course of the next however many minutes we go on this Sunday night as we record and get ready for, again, a fresh new week coming off of Mandatory Minicamp. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Oakley. As always, I'm Bobby Trossett, joined by my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. And, you know, Sarah, we left off last week with an awesome interview with mm-hmm. Ian Rappaport. It was great to have a chance to catch up with him and and make his, you know, he made his debut on the vault and we had, we had our fun and we talked about J.K. Dobbins. And I wasn't sure personally whether or not the Dobbins story had enough legs to kind of carry us into this week. Well, it certainly has. And there's a lot to sort of unpack. And I think that's probably where we should begin right off the top.
0: Yeah, well, I think that when we were talking about it, with uh, Ian Rapaport, at that point, Ian still hadn't spoken. Excuse me, Dobbins hadn't spoken with um, WJZ's Mark Viviano, and so I think that's kind of where the update is, because we really hadn't heard from J.K. since. I mean, since those tweets, and so when he was with Mark, he was still vague, but at least he was. We had we had heard from him.
1: I should probably go about this chronologically, right? So we'll begin with, because we did not play this last week on the vault, so we'll do it now, and that's John Harbaugh's response to JK not being a participant in last week's mandatory mini camp.
2: really don't. You know, I expected JK to practice, and it just it wasn't in the cards apparently, so we'll just get ready for training camp.
1: So I think we mentioned it last week, but we hadn't heard the sound yet, and we both agreed that... That looked like midseason Harbs when being out, <laughs> or that sounded like, right? And it looked like it too. Trust me, having watched the press conference, it looked and sounded like midseason Harbs when asked about injuries. Clearly, he was bothered by something at that point.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like usually June Harbs is much more open about stuff. So, and just putting the word apparently in there is, you know, uh, You know, like, I guess that's the way it is or whatever. So nothing to stress over, I don't think, in in June or whatever. But um, I think it's pretty clear Harbs, you know, was hoping he would practice. And um, J.K. did not. He was there, uh, but he did not. And that was when you had asked Ian Rappaport, so can we officially call us a hold-in? Ian, of course, is also talking to um, uh agents and other sources and he was like yeah i think we can say it's a hold-in
1: yeah and let's cut to that just in case you've been in sort of summer mode you haven't checked out episode number 299 in the archives by the way all of a sudden partner you look up we've done 300 episodes and we're coming up on one year of existence so that's pretty cool we appreciate everybody for their support of course as always but if you haven't checked out our conversation with ian yet you can go into the archives but for now here's what he had to say when i was asking him about J.K.
3: Yeah, I mean that, that's that is what it sounds like. You know, I don't know for a hundred percent sure, but usually when a player shows up, doesn't practice, the coaching staff is like he's fine, and he's going into a contract year. Usually, that means well, I'd like a deal, but you know, I I don't have one, so you know, therefore, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, participate. You know, to me, like these are these are all fine. You know, like these are all they don't really hurt anyone. There's really not a lot bad happens. I mean, he doesn't get practice, but it's June. So he'll have plenty of time to practice in July and August. Plus, this is his fourth year in the system. So I'm not worried about it. Or actually, fourth year with the Ravens, first year in the system. But I'm still not worried about it. He's got plenty of time. Um, clearly wants a new deal. Um, but, you know, Will they give him one? I don't know. Um, but clearly wants one. Yeah, I think holding is probably the right term here.
1: And remember, too, you know, we're just a couple of weeks removed from the cryptic tweets, essentially expressing his uncertainty going into the final year of his rookie deal, Sarah. But that gets us to WJZ's interview and, and our friend Mark Viviano, who sat down with J.K. recently. Again, it was the week of J.K. in the news cycle. It ended with just a snippet here, uh, it ended with an interview, but we have a snippet from that WJZ interview with JK. Uh, they're going back and forth essentially about you know why he didn't participate in mandatory minicamp and what it really was about. Listen to this. The the thing I can say is, I would love to be a Baltimore Raven for the rest
3: of my career. I would love to because I love the city. I love the people. It feels like family here, like it feels like home here, my second home, you know, and um, I hope that happens. (laughs) I
0: hope that happens. You're a football player, but you have wide ranging interests and abilities. And in many ways, you have to be a businessman. Mm -hmm. Do you like the business side of what you do
2: or is it hard?
3: The business side is very hard. It's very different. It's it's different but um it's part of it it's part of the dream and it's something that I'm blessed with to to deal with the business side of that you know you saw with lamar it's always it's never it's never just roses and daisies it can be hard at times you know and it's it's business though so it's it's part of the dream though
0: yeah.
1: So again, that was just a small snippet from that conversation with WJZ and, and Sarah that there's more meat left on that bone that we didn't play for you. So, you know, some folks may have to go back and get that context just for the entire interview itself. But what was your takeaway from what we just heard? Also, knowing that we we've both listened to the entire thing as well.
0: I, my, my take hasn't changed. It's um, he wants a new contract. And there is some ambiguity. Like I read um, the latest from Jeff Zriebeck from The Athletic. Jeff was the first person to put it out that um, that JK that he was told that JK was protecting his knee or whatever. Um, and in the latest, even after this WJZ interview, Zriebeck said that his source still insists that there's something, you know, going on. I I can't remember if it was an ear or a soft tissue, but basically that they were attributing, his source was attributing that there really is something health-wise that's wrong. Uh, But even Jeff was like, look, even if you put that what my source is telling me, you put that with what John Harbaugh said, you put that with what J.K. Dobbins tweeted, and then you put what J.K. said with Mark, that the business is super hard. Like, we don't need, like, to be a rocket science to see that The two sides in this moment are not on the same page with the contract. But listen, while this is JK's first time going through it for himself, and so you have some, you know, compassion there that this is crazy when it's actually you, you know, it's another round of this. This is this is where Eric DeCosta lives. We just did this with Lamar Jackson. And when, and when JK is settled, it's going to be another person. We've seen people ask for tr- trades. We've gone through Marquise Brown. We've gone through, um, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst asking for trades. It's just another round. And so, you know, there's, I just don't see that it's anything to be nervous about. I can't see a world where this quote unquote, hold on, hold in, continues to a point that it's like he's not playing this season. Um, in June, you can do this. Even Ian told us it's not really about leverage. It's just about showing with your actions more than your words that you want to contract. And then he's also protecting himself, right? There's no reason to open himself up to injury during minicamp. We've heard about what happened to Chuck Clark. We've seen other people at the Ravens get injured during uh, mandatory mini camp. Like freak accidents can happen even when you're not hitting. So I have no problem with protecting himself as he's trying to get a new contract. But um, yeah, like like Ian said, there's really no leverage there. So we can we can implement these tactics right now. But in the end, if they're not on the same page, given how the league views running backs, the only thing JK did, can do to get the value that he's desiring whatever it is is for him to ball out this year. Like there's nothing else that he can really do other than what he's doing. So, you know, do your hold in and you know, if he does it at the beginning training camp might maybe it'll be okay, but at some point he's going to want to get in there because this is this is a new system. So, to me, I've just I just feel like we go through these so often that I know to be patient and I know these things work out in the end. So I'm sure Dobbins, he's like, he's talking about how hard it is. So I get why it's hard on him, but for the rest of us looking out on the, uh, looking in from the outside, this is just another contract negotiation. The Ravens do, you know, dozens of them every year, you know, and maybe more than dozens. And you just have to trust in the process and know that in the end, like ninety, ninety, ninety-five percent of these always get done, and maybe a few percent end in trades. But he's got—I don't understand. I just don't think a running back has trade value, especially given his his injury history. So in the end, come September, I think he's going to be running in the backfield with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens.
1: Yeah, and you'd like to think that all of this is going to be a long afterthought at that point, too. And, yeah, you know, it's funny—you just mentioned something that kind of reminded me of some jargon, some dialogue that we've had surrounding Patrick Queen, you know, throughout this off season in, in a similar sense, yeah. right? Control where you can control PQ, go out and ball out. And whether it's putting out tape for 31 other teams or perhaps, you know, somehow the Ravens are able to pay you next, next off season, That's all he can do right now, right? The fifth, the fifth year option was declined and, and all he can do is go out there and put his best foot forward. So uh similar, similar situations, I know different and a little bit from you know from the outside looking in and whatnot, but both of those guys you, you expect uh to be a part of this team, to be contributors to this team in 2023, and and who knows? Who knows about the beyond? There's a window as Marlon Humphrey discussed last week. We'll get to that in just a bit because I thought that was a strong message from at this point one of the one of the more seasoned veterans on this team. In Marlon Humphrey, and just for some added context, I got the Jeff Zerebek tweet in front of me from June 13th last week. He was told that J.K.'s absence from practice was more precautionary for a minor soft tissue injury. So, anyway, that's that. Yeah, let's soft move on injury. to. Thank
0: you for clarifying that.
1: Sure, sure. With that, let's shift gears to some Odell Beckham Jr. conversation because he met with the media for the first time since his signing extension last week and there was plenty to discuss including what Todd Munkin had to say because remember those two spent a season together in Cleveland and so far so good from the perspective of Monk.
2: I was with him in 19 so do I see still a tremendous football player, a guy that can separate and route run and loves to play and brings a certain amount of energy and juice and experience and then as we Practice more together as we get more together. Now we try to fit it together, um, but he's always going to be crafty. He's always going to be able to find a way to separate where that ends up, X, Z, F, that's to be determined. But all that, you know, is just trying to figure out where that fits, and that also with the other pieces, Zay, your tight ends, um, you brought in Nelson, getting bait back, and we haven't even had him practice yet so fitting that all together is really a big part of it but it's fun to try and figure out how to fit it together that doesn't always you don't always have that
1: so sarah i was listening to an espn segment last week i think it was with orlovsky and hasselback two two former nfl players two two former quarterbacks if i'm not mistaken and um they were both sort of agreeing led by hasselback that they don't expect Odell to be a high volume guy at this point in his career they just that's what they feel I don't know if that was more so about where he is at in his career and the uncertainty about where he's at coming off the ACL or what might be needed in Baltimore and we discussed this a little bit last week during uh, the aftermath of, of Ian's conversation but I wanted to revisit what Ian had to say about Odell because remember, as you've mentioned, we've both mentioned, he's as plugged in as it gets. He's speaking to agents. He's speaking to players. He's speaking to organizational higher-ups, you name it. And so he's got a good feel, I think, throughout the time as an NFL insider for where players are. And he came right out of the gates talking about Odell when we asked about him. Here he is. I think he's going to be really good. Um, I
3: think he's going to be really good. And, you know, we haven't really seen Odell healthy in quite a long time. I mean, I remember... You know right before he signed with the rams when he was a free agent um and you know the reason teams weren't offering a lot the reason teams weren't offering long-term deals are they knew his knee was not right they knew his acl essentially could re-tear at any moment and it was a you know a ticking time bomb essentially he knew it too um knew his knee was going to tear at some point it did during the super bowl and obviously took him off the field for a year it's a very serious injury, but now he's healthy. So, you know, I, again, like, I'm not worried about what happens in June. Like, this is all sort of whatever. Um, I do think he's going to end up really good. And, I, you know, I, I I will say this, like, when he – it took him a minute or so in L.A. probably took him a month to figure it out. Once he figured it out, like, he was he was really good. I mean, he was really good. Like He was on his way to being, you know, I thought the Super Bowl MVP before he tore his knee apart. So, like, you know, whatever fans are expecting – I think that's probably, that's probably what it's going to be.
1: So we're using our recording service for this show right now. and I'm just watching you smiling ear to ear as Ian's talking that <laughs> up, right? Because we both know what that would mean for this offense, right? If he ends up being that high volume guy.
0: Well, so uh, I guess a couple of things. So first talking about his health, which is what he started out with. He was saying like, I think he's going to be really good. And I think because he, he thinks he's healthy. So you and I obviously were not at the mandatory minicamp. And so I have been looking around, kind of looking at reporters who are there to kind of get their take to add to In To me, it's like once you, if you had got two or three or four or five journalists all kind of observing similar things, then I think you can put stock in it. And Bobby, if if Odell had even the slightest limp or if he had some sort of, I don't know, hitch in his run. You better believe that the ESPN, the Jameson Hensleys, or, um, you know, some of these guys, they would point it out. They would point it out. I haven't seen a single reporter that watched him at minicamp last week have any sort of concern with that knee. Now, obviously, they're not hitting. That's going to take it to a whole other level. But with what he's asked to do right now, um, there's no concern with that. And then on top of it, like I was listening to the Lounge podcast, and obviously I worked with those guys for years and years and years, and I really do respect um, especially Garrett's opinion. I know, um, I think Ryan was out, so it was Garrett and uh, Cliff Brown talking, and and Garrett, you know, Garrett, you know, doesn't actually ever talk down on somebody, but he also um, doesn't uh embellish when he does give compliments and uh he was like oh he was he was just like his health was answered for me he's like i am no longer with like concerns about his knee after watching him this week and cliff was like yeah you know me neither and so when you combine ian saying that then you got those two guys saying it then there's no like espn because i who every like josina anderson was there uh, national reporters were there if there was anything off about obj it would be headlines everywhere and i'm talking like you know health-wise so um i'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable uh with his health and again it's it's a different animal the further along we go but i'm starting to feel comfortable with with where we're at right now now in terms of you bringing up like um targets Well, I'm looking at some of his targets from past years and they're right. There is no way like his peak was 169 targets in 2016 had 158 before that 2018, 124, 133. And then he started dealing with injuries. So they start to decrease there. The highest in recent years that we're looking at with Baltimore's play Marquise Brown, who had 146 targets. That was in 2021. Um, and I just don't know that the Ravens had a whole lot of you know other places to go with the ball. And so I, I agree. I don't think he's gonna be like this high volume in terms of like a ton of receptions, especially given I still think the Ravens are gonna be running a lot. Lamar um, will take off if he needs to. Um, he's got other weapons in Bateman. he's got the tight ends, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know that Odell's gonna be this super high volume guy either but i don't know maybe somewhere between i don't know maybe around 80 targets maybe more i I don't know there's just right now it just depends on injuries how many mausers going to be but regardless of how many targets he gets i think with the weapons already on this offense i think he's going to be able to maximize the targets that he does get and I think he's going to be able to maximize because of the attention he will, um, he's going to get from defenses. I think he's going to maximize touches for other people too. So I don't know what that tells you from a fantasy standpoint. All I know is from an offensive standpoint, I think he's really going to open things up. And when he does touch the ball, I think it's going to be very impactful.
1: I could see him becoming... Uh, Another dimension of like a Mark Andrews from a reliability standpoint on on a Mm -hmm. trust level standpoint with Lamar. And I'm talking about certain situational football, you know, examples like, hey, you're third and seven. It's the fourth quarter. You have got to move the chains here. You need seven yards. And I'm going to trust this guy who turns 31 in November is a Super Bowl champion to win his one-on-one battle on the outside. He's probably not going to be double teamed at this point in his career. And and what has Mark Andrews done throughout Lamar's entire career? He has been that guy for them in those types of situations. If they can now have two of those types of players on on their offensive roster, you know, from a playmaking standpoint, that's only going to relieve the, the pressure uh, alleviate the pressure whatever the whatever the word is on lamar's shoulders, right so he doesn 't have to always constantly wear that cape that cape doesn't need to be flexed as much as it has in the past anymore right. you 'd like to think and right. so if obj can be th- that kind of dimension uh for them and they can become obviously they're going to be more than one dimensional this year because of all the you know the additions that they 've made and this new commitment to passing and bringing in Monkin and bringing in playmakers but uh, I think that would really, really behoove, you know, uh, th- that's going to benefit Lamar and hopefully the offense and hopefully the team, you know, big picture.
0: Yeah, and so, like, here's here's um another thing that kind of surprised me, by the way, when I was listening to, to Garrett um, talk is he and Cliff were talking about, and I'm bringing this up only because, again, so when you're at practice, um, you're not allowed – a reporter is not allowed to say who's playing with the ones twos or threes. You can only say that if like somebody at podium kind of confirms it. And so that's why when like people asked about Sala and then Haraba's like, oh yeah, he's, he's looking good with the ones then. Okay. Now you can finally say it, but it gives away too much information. So you're not allowed to say who's practicing with whom. However, you can kind of figure out who's practicing with whom with people's opinions. And so giving that background, because, Garrett had said with Cliff, they both agreed. He was like, which was a little bit surprising just because I haven't been out there to see who's playing with whom, is Garrett and Cliff were like, um, we think the top three receivers come week one, play one. Now things could always change, but week one, play one, they see the top three receivers on the field outside OBJ and Bateman, assuming they're both healthy. And then in the slot, they had Duvernay over Zay Flowers. And so I was like, oh, okay. I I," and maybe I'm reading too much into it. But for them to say something like that, rather than to naturally think that the first round pick is going to be there, that tells me that that's maybe the pecking order right now and maybe how well, you know, Duvernay could be playing. So I thought that was interesting, because in my mind, it's always been like, all right, he's number he's the number one pick. He's he's going to be good to go. So, um, maybe that could change over the course of training camp, but I thought that was pretty interesting. And then on top of it, and this comes back to target share, I mean, John Harbaugh himself compared, he thought, he said he had a picture uh, in his basement in his like little arcade, a picture of Tory Smith, Steve Smith and Jacoby Jones and kind of was like inferring that maybe that's been the best wide receiver core since he's been coach. I would actually put when Anquan Bolden was was with those two, not that Steve Smith wasn't great, but that's just when they went to the Super Bowl and Steve wasn't in his prime. But then he's like, I don't know. Will these guys rival him? We'll see. But he put it in the conversation, which I thought was, you know, that was surprising to me. And so bringing that back to target share, if Harbaugh himself – is comparing this unit, again, he's not ready to say they're the best, but he was at least willing to have that conversation and bring up those guys and, you know, how he remembers them. And it's like, okay, well, something promising is going on to where Harbaugh would even, like, bring up that that pitcher in his basement. And so if, indeed, this is feeling like a well-rounded wide receiver group and even Duvernay still, you know, in the top three conversation and you haven't even added in Zay yet – then yeah, that's a lot of mouths to feed. So it comes back to to you saying it may not be high volume for for Odell because there's going to be a lot of guys who can contribute.
1: I wasn't sure where how you were coming back around there, but I'm with you yeah. now. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. You know, so it's it's, it's going to be fascinating to to watch unfold. But these are all good problems to have. This time last year, we were all sort of expecting. Bateman to to be that guy but to have to be that guy and the fact that he doesn't have to be anymore maybe he could become that guy but he doesn't have to be anymore and hopefully that allows him to have a successful you know between the ears at least to start off his third season as he tries to stay healthy Uh, hopefully that sets him up for what will be a successful season health wise and along those same lines Certainly, I know, there's another guy at the top of that list that hope, is hoping he can have that kind of season durability-wise, and that's Ronnie Stanley. And I thought one of the under-the-radar comments made from last week's mandatory minicamp was this, and it's Ronnie speaking to where he is right now physically. So majority of my time, you know, the past couple of years have been spent on rehab, but, you know, 80% of that offseason time probably and 20% on training. So been
3: able to really put most of my time on training and building and uh, getting stronger, getting more endurance uh, and, you know, just becoming an overall better athlete uh, has been a big difference for me.
1: Is this as good as you felt and how, how long you said? Yeah, I think this as good as I felt since, you know, 2019, preseason 2020. The Vault is sponsored by Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I know for me, I've been rocking the prism black polarized lenses this summer, and I'm loving them so far. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run? Do you golf? Maybe you train, or perhaps you just want to look like Lamar Action Jackson. If any of the above is true, you got to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self. Really, it's an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And here on The Vault, we're all about look good, feel good, perform good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. And hey, since it's officially summer, you may want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. So go visit oakley.com to find yourself a pair today. Oakley offers prism lens technology, which is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that will be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. But don't just trust Sarah and I. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can confidently say that Oakley's not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Sarah, I don't need to remind you what he was not only to this team, but where he stacked up league wide at left tackle in 2019.
0: Oh yeah. No, um, all pro, <laughs> uh, Certainly one of the best, at least top three, probably that year. And so um, it's funny. People ask me all the time, like, how are the Ravens going to be this year? And really for the last three years, I feel like Eric DaCosta has put together this amazing roster, but it always comes back to health. And so when you've got your left tackle, who's like your security guard saying that he's never, hasn't felt this well since pre-2019 going into the season – Man, that's a good sign. You've got you've got Lamar in there. You know, no no injury issues. You've just got so many guys that are healthy, and the guys that aren't healthy. I think the least healthy is probably Patrick Ricard, and he's probably gonna have a lesser role. I mean, oh my gosh, it's just like if the Ravens can stay healthy, if 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 Ronnie Stanley can be saying this stuff throughout the whole year. We all know that this is a is a playoff super bowl caliber, te- super bowl caliber team, can this continue for Ronnie? Can it continue for Lamar? Can it continue for OBJ? Right now I think that the Ravens are in an excellent position health-wise and you just cross your fingers and pray that it can continue. Uh, cuz I want everybody to be talking the way Ronnie is right now throughout the year
1: yeah well, let's hope Rashad Bateman's able to talk about that as well and one thing that we covered last week, thanks to josina anderson's one on one conversation that she had with Harbs at the castle, was where Rashad is right now in his ongoing Rehab and recovery process back from the Liz Frank, and here's Harbs. Liz Frank, the per se, is a different injury. Where uh, nice.
2: The screws go in, you know, the the, the heel, heels, and then the screws come out, and sometimes you have to deal with the screw coming out and how that heals. And that was really the issue with him. It's just a matter of uh, putting some cortisone in there and helping that healing process when the screw came out. So it's not a structural issue at
1: all. It is an issue of just comfort and making sure it's right for training camp. So, not to beat a dead horse, I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but I think the comparison that I was trying to make is when Marquise Brown came into the league uh, with the screws in his foot out of Oklahoma. And while he had flashes his rookie year, he was limited because of those screws, like literally had metal in his foot. The fact that bait now, well, we're, let's see, it's, it's, we're more than halfway through June, all of July, all of August a week or two before the season starts in September, he's got a nice chunk of time now to continue to rehab to continue to strengthen that foot. And the screws won't even hopefully be a topic of conversation. That's going to give him, you'd, you'd hope immense comfort and, you know, hopefully explosiveness for his sake.
0: Yeah. Once I heard that, that like it was the screws that came out that caused the discomfort, like the, the screws coming out at this period of time, like, um, I feel it makes me feel really good for Bate. I think that him on the schedule that he's on with those coming out. um, I mean, something, you know, there could always be a setback or something throughout, throughout this time, but um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about him. I just, Oh man, I want him to have a breakout season. I want him to have a breakout season and health going to be the, you know, key factor of that. Um, but but Bobby, think about this offense with OBj and the tight ends and you know and then Bateman breaks out and then Bateman breaks out with this offense that you have. If Ronnie's healthy, I mean, it would just transform this it would transform this this offense even to another level. So I'm rooting for him. I am rooting for him. I'm rooting for health. I'm rooting for him to break out. I'm rooting for him to become the wide receiver one. Everybody predicted he would be coming out of the draft. So let's just hope that that this is like a good sign that these are already out and that he can just hit the season running and then just like ramp up throughout it so that he hits um, a peak just at the right time because – I mean, with the other receivers on this team, if he becomes what we all thought he can become, it's just going to make this offense that much better.
1: A couple other notes that probably didn't get a ton of buzz uh, within the media or, you know, headlines wise, but... But Kevin Zeiler, who has just been a stabilizing force at right guard over the last couple of seasons, he has no plans or intentions of retiring anytime soon. He is entering the final year of that three-year deal he signed a couple of years ago. Uh, certainly, uh, downplay the significance of where he is right now. There were some reports out there last week from the national insiders, like like Adam Schefter, that. He says he is seeking that he's reportedly seeking a new deal, uh, but in classic Zeitler fashion, Sarah, he downplayed it and said that you know it's more important that that he is uh, participating, that he's involved in these you know not only OTAs but also uh, I, don't, I don't think he really was at OTAs this year if I'm not mistaken, or if he was he wasn't around or active much, but he was at mandatory minicamp, and that just speaks to his professionalism I and mean, the guys. he's he's an he's an impressive human being
0: he he, his answer actually reminded me a lot of lamar from last year uh where he was like yeah i want a new deal but i'm here because i couldn't do this to my teammates that is exactly what lamar said last year when everybody was like what are you doing why are you even stepping foot on the field before you get a contract and he was like negotiating was you know that's separate from this. I'm not going to, he's like, I love the game too much. And I love my teammates too much to do that to them. And then when Zeitler said it, I was like, that's exactly what Lamar said. And they're both, and they both backed it up by being there uh, when it was risky for them to be there. So I thought that was, you know, a great, great response from Zeitler.
1: Yeah. And while we're on the topic of, of guard again, too early to really dive into this in detail, there will be a competition at left guard for starting left guard for back-to-back seasons now. We know that Ben Powers emerged from the pack last year, really due to Ben Cleveland getting a late start because of uh, his inability to pass the conditioning test for those first few days of camp or, or the offseason or whatever. Um, but right now, the, the topic of conversation is whether or not the rookie out of Oregon, Big Sala, has a potential chance to be a contender in this competition, Sarah, because he was running with the ones as they say. So he was getting first team reps last year, uh, last week. We know that guys like uh, Ben, bank, Cle- the aforementioned Ben Cleveland and the veteran John Simpson are all going to be in the mix. You'd have to think that Patrick McCarry's probably a bit too reliable just in terms of his versatility, especially as a swing tackle to be um, to be in consideration there. But you. You better believe he's capable of doing it. So that's probably the, you know, from a positional battle standpoint, things to be looking out for ahead of camp. I think we'd probably have that, you know, that position circled.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what others there are. I mean, maybe maybe a cornerback on the other side of the ball, but it seems like the Ravens have plenty of options there uh, between Cleveland, Salah. Um, and John Simpson. Uh, I feel like when, when Ben Powers won it, like nobody, you know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, for sure, Ben Powers. I didn't, I don't remember like reporters being like, oh, he's a stud. He's got this. It's locked up. You know what I mean? It was just like he steadily got better and better and better. And so, um, it, it just sounds like from, from reports coming out of there that, that John Simpson looks pretty solid. I haven't really heard anything that Cleveland looks solid. Um, but but between Saul and John Simpson, it seems like they have options there. And really, I mean the offensive line seems to be in good shape as long as is one of those step up at left guard, as long as like there's not like a sudden drop off with the vets on the right side, right? So, yeah. so Moses is Moses isn't like somebody you're writing home about, but certainly has been consistent and been pretty solid over there. Uh Zeitler, I don't I just don't feel like his his you know he, he's been dropping off so uh you just hope that the vets don't you know lose too much as they continue to get older and if that doesn't happen if they can continue not to have like a you know fight off father time you know you, you're feeling pretty good about the offensive line
1: here's Marlon Humphreys message that I referenced earlier on I think he this is a refreshing sort of tone that he uses here an intensity of focus that Sure, like we don't get to see a a ton of that because he's playful when it during his media obligations. That doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, turn on that switch. Of course, he turns on the switch, he's a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. But during his media press conference last week, you saw a little bit of a different side. Some of that when the flip is on, when the switch is on, he showed that a little bit and uh, it, it resonated with me. Um, Actually, uh, what motivated uh, me and Lamar were talking in the train room the other day, um, but just talking about, you know, a, a quick message, just, you know, I think to win a Super Bowl, you know, you got to put a lot of time and effort in. And I think, you know, while we, we got in some good work, OTA's mini camp, you got this big break, whether it's you want to
2: hang out with your dog a lot, want to hang out with your girl a lot, want to hang out with this, try to do as much of that as you can, because when we come back, we want everybody to be putting as much time into football as you can, you know. The off seasons are long, plenty of time, but when you you don't, these days, these practices, you know,
1: being in the NFL, it's a, it's a very short span compared to the rest of your life. So I know that's one of the things that I plan on, you know, making different uh, different in this season, putting as much time as I can than I, than I ever had before. So, you know, I think we can all echo that, be on the same, you know, one accord. I think special things can happen with this team. The window is here and now, partner.
0: The window is here and now. Now's the time. Now's the time. And this is also like um we saw pictures of Steve Bashadi uh at camp. I know he was like, you know, his golf cart talking to Lamar, which by the way, how much a couple how quickly things can change in a couple months, how long how how it just seems like a blink of an eye that we were talking about you know, the report that, you know, Bashotti and
1: was Bishotti, seething Lamar and
0: seething. The NFL and, yeah, <laughs> and all of those reports. And then all of a sudden we see a picture of Bashati and Lamar sitting in a, in a golf cart looking like, you know, they're pretty, pretty chummy. And, you know, Marlon said that he had talked to Steve, you know, for, you know, love life advice, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I'm bringing Steve up because it's like, it is, it's like people coming in there to give a message because this time off It always seems like during this time off, and it's not just with the Ravens, it's just throughout, you know, when you've got idle time, you can get yourself in trouble, you know, and so you just want to make sure, you know, Steve's out there preaching to make good decisions over this time off. Um, Marlon Humphrey's like, live it up. But, you know, remember, this is a short time of our lives. Um, Was it last year at this time, Bobby, that we lost Ferguson? Or was that two years ago?
1: We we lost uh, we lost Jalen and and Tony and Goose on the same day last June. Last June. So it's coming up on yeah. a year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, you just hope that you know these guys get some some rest as they need. Cause I mean the pressure that is on after this, I don't even know, man, if people understand the pressure cooker that these guys are under. Once the season starts, the expectations that are there. And so um, I just, I said this last time, I love Marlon Humphrey's um, message. It's essentially a message of sacrifice. And I didn't say this last time, but, um, you know, sacrifice comes from a Latin root or a Latin word uh, to mean to transform, to transform. And so you want to transform to greatness. And when you're great, you let go of like little things that don't really matter, you know, and, and you let go of like these little inconveniences in order to become great. And so that's what he was preaching there. You know, like, listen, when we get back at this, it's all football. It's all football because we feel like we can win a Super Bowl. And so, you know, you know, little things of like, you know, going out on the town or all that kind of stuff you know do it to a certain degree while you're while you're home but when we get back let go of that stuff because it's time to be great yeah yeah
1: well said and just to be clear too I I wanted to make sure I had the date correct June 22nd that's this Thursday marks the one-year anniversary of Mm. uh, of both Tony and and Jalen you know leaving us and I I this is fresh in my mind you know we're, we're recording this on on Father's Day so of course you know, happy father's day to all the fathers out there both vault listeners and you know, within the ravens community at large i sammy saragusa which is um one of tony's daughters only daughter if i'm not mistaken uh, she and i follow each other on instagram and i noticed that they took a family trip they're currently in europe right now and it made me think like what my best friend from home lost his father at an early age we were in high school and of course is is he's mm. always going to be we be with us one thing i've noticed from a coping mechanism their family always does something today or this weekend you know like they go somewhere they plan a trip they're all together and it just it really hit me that all the Saragusas decided to go and honor their late father by going on a trip and they're quite literally doing things that were either on his bucket list or that he just enjoyed. And I just thought it was so um it, it was spiritual, but it was also meaningful to them. And uh and if, if if you have a couple seconds today just just say a prayer for obviously the Saragusas and every family out there who kind of had to endure this weekend without you know their a father figure in their life because uh obviously Sarah, you know, uh, in your household uh, he, he's everything to you guys. So um i know I know a lot of folks were Indeed. were thinking about that this weekend
0: speaking of prayers, how about a prayer for Ray Lewis?
1: That was kind of the segue, yeah,
0: yeah um, that's tough uh i i'm I'm sure most people listening know that he lost his son uh over the weekend or late last week, Ray Lewis the third, and I know that. I know Ray Lewis. I know that uh, he has a lot of faith and uh, I know that he believes in the power of prayer. And so I know that that's something that um, that I'm sure he's doing a lot of and that uh, he would appreciate, you know, in his life. Um, so I, I just, uh, for that to happen, you know, again, right before Father's Day. And um, listen, I know I've got, I've got, um, I've got, uh, 30 nieces and nephews. Well, I guess if you put my kids into it, my parents have about 30 grandkids and, um, and you just never know. I mean, I've just seen my siblings, you know, all of them want to be the great, the best mothers and fathers. And, um, at some point, you know, you know, kids just start, they have the life of their own and you never know how it's how it's going to turn out and if if your kids aren't happy or if a tragedy happens you look at yourself and you're like did i was i a good mom or was i a good dad and it wouldn't surprise me because ray lewis is such an he's in order to become great you're always looking at what can i do better and and what can i do to make you know, to be great, and I, I know he didn't just want to be a great football player. I know he wanted to be a great dad and a great everything. Everything that he does, he wants to be great. And I'm sure it's a temptation when things go wrong to be like, "What did I do wrong?" You know, how could I've done something more? How could I've helped? You know, avoid a tragedy or whatever. And so, um, I just hope that Ray has enough strength to know that he's, uh, you know, he's he's the father that. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's great at that too. And there's, this isn't, you know, hope, you know hopefully, I'm hoping he's not doubting himself and that he's just uh, being a great father to the rest of his kids and all those that are, that are mourning um, Ray Lewis Third's life. And so I just, you know, I just pray that he can be strengthened during this time and that the family can be strengthened during this time, that they can, come together and do what the Sarah Gooses are doing, which is celebrating their dad, celebrating a life by going to the places that they knew that he enjoyed to do. And so, um, you know, because all you can do is try to be, is try to be strong and try to move forward and try to be helpful and kind and loving and passionate and all those things. And so that's tough to do when tragedy hits. And so I just pray that they can find the strength to, to keep moving forward and find a way to celebrate uh, Ray Lewis, the third's
1: life. Yeah. Well said he, he left us far, far too soon. 28 years old, of course, played Mm -hmm. cornerback at, at his father's alma mater for a couple seasons, university of Miami before transferring to coastal Carolina back in 2015. And then ended up finishing his career at Virginia union. But, uh, again, Ray Lewis, the third, uh, you know, we won't get into the details, but there were some reports out there that, that he died of a, a suspected overdose from some credible um, national sources. So we'll leave it at that. You know, we're, we're obviously uh, praying for Ray. We're, we're praying for his family. And, you know, we ask you to do the same as well, um, you know, in, in Baltimore and beyond here. So with that partner, we got somewhat of a chill week. I mean, there's not a ton on the docket right now in terms of, uh, media stuff from the team, you know, obviously f- for the next month or so, we're going to just going to be gearing up for training camp and stuff and hoping that, you know, obviously no off the field stuff happens, right? If there's it, if the off the field stuff tends to happen either on bye week and this, or this stretch that we're about to enter into, you know, so you kind of got to hope and, and cross your fingers for, you know, a uh, good, solid fortune in that regard. But uh, hopefully we'll get, the training camp dates coming up here soon. So we can start to plan out a few of uh, some logistical stuff that we have and some ideas that we have for content. Uh, but with that, another week beginning up in June and we'll see what it brings.
0: Yeah. And um, I, you know, I didn't get a chance to slip this in earlier before we went into like more of the father's day stuff and off the field stuff. Just one, one other thought on the football side before we we go here. I am hearing so much good stuff about David Ajaba, mm. And that he plays even as a second year guy who didn't get to play a full rookie year, that he's approaching practice like he's like this vet, so much swagger, so much confidence, like he knows what he's doing so he can play without thinking. If he can be the first round pick that everybody was predicting he would be before he got injured, um We'll see what happens with Justin Houston. You know what I mean? Whether they – it just this – is, this is a massive year for both Ojabo and Owe. Those two are the future. And I'm so happy that we're hearing – I'm hearing fabulous things about Ojabo. And if he is that good, you know, who knows if they need, a, a, you know, a Justin Houston. We're all expecting the Ravens to sign him or some sort of veteran. But it's kind of like what we've been saying at cornerback – that once the Ravens get a look at these guys, do they need to go get a veteran? And so if you see them get a veteran, it's probably like, ah, eh, we're not feeling so good about these young guys. Now, either way, they could still sign Justin. Maybe they need more, 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 you know, I was about to say bodies, but body is usually a word you say for a camp guy. He's obviously more than that. But maybe you do need more depth or whatnot. But um, I think it's very, very good news that everywhere I turn, people are talking about how good Ojabo looks. So again, the pads are not on, but uh, there's there's somebody. Talk about Bateman eating a bit breakout year. If OA and Ojabo have breakout years, when you already have a stud inside linebacker duo and you have a stud safety duo with Marcus Williams and and Kyle Hamilton, then oh my goodness, if you compare that with two bookends on the line, that would be huge. So again, it's June. We don't want to get too excited, but I'm happy to hear all these great reports on Ojabo. Sorry to slip that in at the end there, but I I just remembered it as we were about to finish. Yeah,
1: no, I'm glad you did. I mean, I hope it didn't get lost sort of in the shuffle last week because, you know, the Ravens took a flyer on him a year ago. And if it weren't for the torn Achilles, all right, then, you know, the the infamous torn Achilles at the Michigan Pro Day, the dude was projected out to be a surefire first-round pick. So, what I mean by a flyer is that the Ravens knew that the first year was gonna be a wash. Now, did he play a little bit at the end? Yeah, he did. Did he flash a little bit? Yeah, he flashed just a little bit, but they took a flyer in the sense that all right we're gonna we're gonna essentially invest in David with this mid round selection, but come twenty twenty three fall it's on, and that time's coming, and so hopefully you know that investment will start to pay off now. We'll start to see the ROI, if you will, come 2023 for David. So anyway, we will stick a pin in at that.
0: Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong, but not only a, fir- a surefire first round pick, but the Ravens were picking at 14 and everybody was like, is he even going to be there by yeah. the time the Ravens yeah. gets number 14?
1: Right. right.
0: You know, so it wasn't like a number 32 pick. This was like top half of the draft kind right. of pick.
1: No, that and that's an important yeah, <laughs> that that's an important aspect of it. Like, yeah, it wasn't just anywhere in the first round. This dude was projected out to be, say, top 15, top 10. So I think yep, we got to yep. keep that in mind. And, and hopefully he's coming off this Achilles, much like Tyus Bowser did, you know, a year ago. Guns blazing and the explosiveness is there. And obviously he's a lot younger than Tyus. So hopefully that'll come to fruition for him. But uh, with that... We will be back in morning vault format on Tuesday. And of course, as always, if you're interested in supporting what we're building, you can do so by checking out what we're offering on patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. We can be reached by email uh, at Baltimore RavensVault at gmail.com. And for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off. Thanks for joining us on this episode Inside the Vault.